Okay, just checking that I'm all technically set up. Hi, everyone. So tonight's topic is how to build healthy self-esteem in your child. It's a hot topic, and I'll tell you what made me think to do this. So I always get a lot of questions from people about how do I get my child not to tantrum? Or how do I get my child to want to eat healthy? Or how do I get my child to be respectful? And I always say, before we ask how we get our kids to do something, we have to make sure that they have the foundation to do it. Because asking how to get your child how to behave a certain way before making sure that your child has rock solid self-esteem is exactly the same as asking how you could lay the layers of a building before you build the foundation. If a building's foundation is shaky, the layers of the building will not be strong. If a child's self-esteem is shaky, they will not perform maximally in their lives, okay? So it's interesting today, a nutritionist even reached out to me and she said that right now people are coming to her and they're asking, how do I get my child to lose weight? A mother actually came recently and said, how do I get my adult daughter to lose weight? You can't get your adult daughter to lose weight. You can't put your child on a diet. What you could do is you could set up the circumstances so that your child feels super, super valuable. And if your child feels very valuable and has a healthy self-esteem, then they're much more likely organically to be able to perform at their best in all areas of their life. So today we're going to discuss self-esteem in two separate parts, okay? The first part is what the child thinks of themselves. And the second part is the gift of actually experiencing your value by making the world a better place. Let me explain the first part first, okay? When a child or an adult has healthy self-esteem, they know that there's nothing in the world that anybody could ever say or do that could change my value. My value depends on zero. So basically, there are three different possible levels of self-esteem a person could be on. So first I'll tell you about, you know, the most unhealthy and the lowest, which is I am not valuable. That's a feeling of I have no value, okay? And oftentimes those are people that end up in very difficult adult relationships. They don't perform well when they're teenagers. They struggle with a lot of different things in their lives, with success. Um, emotionally, they struggle. Then the middle level is a level that most people I find are in, okay? The middle level is a feeling of my value depends on. I'm valuable if. I'm valuable if I look a certain way. I'm valuable if I get certain grades. I'm valuable if I behave a certain way, right? My value depends on something. And then the highest level and the healthiest level is every human being is tremendously valuable. Now, notice I didn't say I am tremendously valuable. We don't want people to think that there's one-upmanship over here, meaning we don't want people to think, we don't want children to think or adults to think that you're very, very valuable more so than other people. Why do we want them to know that all human beings are tremendously valuable? Because if they think that they're more valuable than something else, that means that at any moment it could change. That means that you know, um, if they perform a certain way or they perform differently, suddenly their value could go up and down. We don't want them to think that. We want them to know that because they're our children, we have a much more special connection with them than we have with other people. And we want them to know that, you know, when they're around, we feel tremendous delight, you know, because they're our children and we have that special connection. But we want them to know throughout their lives that every 
Human being has tremendous value. And I always say, we have to show children how valuable human beings are. We tell them, you know what a human being is? A human being is someone that has the ability to give, to think, to bring joy to the world, to love, to create. A human being. Yes, that's a very, very valuable creation. Very. There's nothing anybody could say or do, we tell our children, that could ever take away from your value. You know, and a metaphor that I give to kids is I say, you know, let's say if I look at a couch and I tell the couch, you are a tree. Is it going to turn into a tree? No. How about if I scream, you're a tree? No. How about if 27 people scream, you're a tree? No. There's nothing anyone could ever say or do to turn that couch into a tree. There's nothing anyone could ever say or do to take away from your value. Kids could be mean to you in class. People could say unkind things to you. It doesn't make a difference because it's never going to change who you are. Now, obviously, we do want to teach them that if they're in a relationship with somebody where they're repeatedly hurting them, they just need to move away from that. And the reason for that is because they could eventually end up believing them and then it could really destroy them. We just don't want to put ourselves in positions where we're being destroyed. Um, sorry, I'm just going to look at my notes for a second. I wrote down a couple of things I wanted to say over here. One of the things we want our kids to know um, about their value is that there's nothing um, they could do wrong that would make us think that they're less valuable. Meaning, obviously, as parents, it's our job to guide them, you know, to help them be on the right path to assist them when they need help, to support them when things are difficult. But that doesn't mean that we expect them not to make mistakes. The opposite. Of course we expect our children to make mistakes. In fact, it's impossible for any human being to live a life without making mistakes. We also want them to know that we actually expect them to have very big feelings. Now, this is really important if you have a kid that's coming across to you as either very strong-willed, very difficult, having huge feelings, pay close attention to this. When we get upset with our children about having very strong feelings, it's as if we're getting upset at a house for having a door. I gave such a simple metaphor because obviously you expect a house to have a door. I would like you to think of your children's very big feelings as the same as that. Human beings are expected to have big feelings. So when your kids are carrying on or tantruming and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I have to change this, they're seeing the worry on your face and then they start to believe that they are a problem. We don't want them to think that they're a problem. We would never look at a house and say, oh my goodness, why is there a door on the house? That's crazy. You know, I have to do something about this. Or we would never get stressed out about, stressed out about that and think there's something that we need to change about that. Or we would never look at a car and say, oh my goodness, there's wheels on a car. I can't believe it. Let me go do something. When your kids are having very strong feelings, you don't have to do anything. You love them, so you want to be there with them. You want to be supportive to them. If they're hurting somebody, you want to separate them. But you don't need to raise your eyebrows and get all nervous and wonder what's going on and intervene. There's nothing you need to do when your kids are having big feelings because that's just part of being human and all feelings pass. There's no such thing as a feeling that lasts forever, right? I even tell kids, I say, when you walk into a room with an angry person, you come back four hours later, the angry person is not there angry anymore because all feelings pass. So we want kids to know that we expect them to make mistakes, that we expect them to have big feelings. I always talk about um, imagining a spectrum. 
on one end of the spectrum is a zero and on the other end of the spectrum is a 10. Okay, zero means I see my child as a big problem when they're acting a certain way. And 10 means I see the child as a big person even when they're acting in challenging ways. Where do you see your child on that spectrum? When your child is presented with very challenging behaviors, are you seeing your child as a seven in terms of their value? Are you seeing a child as a three in terms of their value? Or are you seeing a child as a 10? Because really all kids are 10. They may not act like 10s, they may not feel like 10s, but at all times, all human beings always have the same value that they had when they came into the world. They act a certain way because they're not aware of their value, but their value is not something that changes. So the second part of self-esteem that I wanted to discuss today is the idea of having the gift of actually feeling your value. Now that comes to us when we affect the world around us in a positive way. So let's say, for example, you cook a great meal. Of course, you don't expect anyone to comment about it, but if someone happens to comment about it, or if someone happens to enjoy it, you get to feel good about your value, right? It doesn't mean that you became more valuable. It just meant that means that you got to experience it. You got to feel, I am making the world a better place. Even if you don't verbalize it, I affected the world around me. All children, all adults, all human beings need to feel like they are contributing to the world, like they are making the world a better place, like they're needed, like they're important. When a person becomes feels like they're not needed anymore, they start to feel very down. So sometimes parents will ask me, they say, but what should I do? My child is really suffering from very low self-esteem and like I haven't really found anything yet that they're so like really great at. So really what I tell parents is at that point, you just have to think really, really hard because there's no such thing as a person that doesn't have their own unique set of gifts. Everyone has a unique set of gifts and challenges. You have to find and you have to create an opportunity for your child to feel like they're affecting the world around them. Dr. Martin Seligman wrote a book called The Optimistic Child, okay? So he looked around, I believe it was in the 1970s or so, and he said, what in the world is going on? For thousands of years, people were so much happier. He said, now there's all different kinds of therapy in the world, all different types of psychology in the world, and people are just more miserable than ever. So he went, you know, and he did his research, and what did he find? He found that for thousands of years, the culture of happiness was one of contributing. People used to believe that the more you give and the more you do and the more you contribute, the happier you are. And then after World War One and Two, World Wars One and Two, people you know had reasons to feel very down. They experienced tremendous losses. And the culture became, specifically American culture, one where people were saying, indulge, indulge, not take care of yourself. They weren't saying take care of yourself. They were saying, indulge, eat, drink, and be merry. The American dream became um, retire when you're 65 so that you can relax. Relax and do what? I guess just vacation. Now, vacationing is nice. Vacationing is important. Relaxing is important. We have to recharge our batteries. But when the goal is just simply to sit back and do nothing, of course people are going to experience more misery and depression and feel useless. I actually teach my kids from when they're very young that happy people are people that are givers and doers. Like if you look around, you know, I always tell them, don't tell me the names of the kids in your class, but look around at the kids that are not so happy. I bet they might believe that giving and doing is not something that's good for them. But if you look around your class and you see the kids that really are happier, those are the kids that know that giving and doing is good for them. 
So we have to create opportunities where our children are affecting the world around them. I'll give you an example. I there was I was working with one mother many years ago. Her son was actually 13 at the time, and he was not successful in any area of his life. He wasn't successful academically. He wasn't successful socially. He wasn't successful athletically. He was really, really struggling on many different levels. So she was a great mother. She came up with, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to have him run a Sunday program for kids in the neighborhood. He was good with kids. She had a lot of young kids, and he was very good with them. So she, you know, gave out a couple of flyers, you know, she or she had him give out a couple of flyers. And he really had a nice turnout. He had like seven, eight kids, five and six-year-olds that were coming to his house on Sunday. And he was busy with it. It was really nice. It was very sweet. You know, Monday and Tuesday, he was writing down what his plans were. Wednesday and Thursday, he was going shopping for the supplies. You know, by Sunday, he was doing a nice program. He was getting paid a few dollars, whatever it was, $5 for an hour or two hours. I don't remember. It was years ago. But the mothers dropped off their kids. And when the kids left, he had such a sense of fulfillment. The kids were leaving. They were happy. The mothers were saying thank you so much. She found and created an opportunity where her son was able to be successful. There is no such thing as a child on this planet or an adult on this planet that doesn't have what to contribute. And even if your child sunk so low, even if you have a teenager that seems to be engaged in, you know, the most horrific, horrendous behaviors that you could ever imagine, I want you to think of these two points that we discussed today. The first one is, is that the child should feel my mother believes that I am valuable no matter what. And that is the child's solid foundation to be able to make better choices and engage in healthy behaviors. The second thing is you want to find and create opportunities where your child could excel. And sometimes that could just be simply asking the child, oh, are you able to help me out with this? Or, you know, would you be able to, to take care of, you know, would you, are you interested in tutoring your younger brother? I was actually looking for a tutor, but I thought you'd do a better job. You know, you're interested in tutoring him for 10 minutes a week, or I could really use your help in that area. You know, you're so good with, you know, the younger kids or you're, you know, you're great with organizing. I was wondering if you're available to help me. They love those, you know, those words. Are you available? Um, so those are the two points to self-esteem. And I'm going to open the floor to questions. If anybody would like to ask questions, uh, feel free to go ahead and do so.